James chapter number 1, your Bibles tonight. You begin reading with me in verse number 17. The Bible says in verse number 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. If you look with me in verse number 17, we begin, we've changed gears really from verse number 16 to 17. Verses 16 and a few verses previous is a warning. Do not err, my beloved brethren. Brethren is a key word in the first chapter of the book of James. It's written, this passage of scripture is written to save people, Christians. And so the warning is we need to stay away from temptations and we need to glory in tribulation because God's working. We need to be consistent, not double-minded. And this next section we move to some things that we are continuing to be careful about. A lot of folks say that James is the Proverbs of the New Testament, and as you study it, you'll find that to be true. The Bible says in verse 17, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above. Well, let's not forget that all things were created by God, and without Him there's nothing. We are God's, and every good and perfect gift comes from from God. It comes from God. We need to thank Him. The Bible says it cometh down from the Father of lights. Uh, that's an interesting little phrase. As far as I can tell, it means Father of lights. Who created the heavens and the earth? Who created the sun, the moon, the stars? The Father of lights. If your Father can create the sun, you are one more hooked up Little boy or girl. What a blessing. <laughs> That's good. Uh, my daddy, he's loaded <laughs> with blessing and benefit. Because my father's God. The Bible says, with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. How many of you get tired of inconsistency? Well, that's heartbreaking. I'll tell you the inconsistency that makes me the most angry. You wait till I tell you who it is. You're looking at him. My inconsistency drives me bananas. And if you're honest, your inconsistency will do the same thing to you. <laughs> but you know something I'm able to anchor my soul in? The steadfastness of the Lord Jesus Christ. The faithfulness of God. The goodness of God. The righteousness of God. The sovereignty of God. I'm glad I don't have to trust in me. Because in me there is variableness of turning. But in God there's not. With whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Oh, what a consistent Savior we have. Uh, we read verse 17, and this purpose, I believe, of verse number 17 is to give us solid footing and firm standing and reason to hope and rest and trust. I was talking to a dear friend today, and 
this was the subject that came up. I said, aren't we so tempted? Aren't we so tempted to fret over meetings and things that we know that are going to come in the future that we know God, when we get there, is going to be gracious and going to help us and how many of you ever had something that you anticipated? You anticipated a meeting, you anticipated an event, you anticipated something happening, and you thought, oh man, what I dread that day. When that day comes, you go there, and it, even though you've dreaded it, you've met on that day God's grace sufficient for it, and you look back at it and you say, the Lord really helped me through that. How many of you ever experienced that? It works, doesn't it? You know what I want to remind myself of? I want to remind myself of the days and weeks and months and years that lead up to those dreaded moments to be reminded that God has been faithful in the past. Why should I worry or fret? Rest. Rest. Trust the Lord. You see, He's constant and consistent. The Bible says... In verse number 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. Now, this sentence is not terribly difficult, but we need to break it down because we want to think about what it really means. Of his own will, God chose to make us sons and daughters of the Most High God. I'm thankful. That God chose to provide a way that you and I could have eternal life by putting our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. A lot of people want to use verse number 18 as some type of proof text for a limited atonement or a Calvinistic uh, philosophy or theology. And I don't think that it's necessary to put that here. But I think it's wonderful to know that it was God's will for you and I to be saved. As a matter of fact, he says, he's not willing that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. That's his will. And when we look at verse 18, God's disclosing his will. God wants us to be saved. And if you're saved, the reason you're saved is because God wanted you to be saved. That's a good thing, isn't it? I'm glad God wanted me to be saved. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth. How did I get saved? Through the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. I was begat through truth. I love the word begat. Except when I'm reading Chronicles. Oh, isn't it brutal? It's there with purpose. But begat, he begat and she begat and they begat, 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 begat. Now, that's God's inspired Word. It's there for a reason. I'm thankful for it. Begat. What's that mean? Well, I can back it up. O.V. Sturgill. Right, we can back it up a little further than that. O.C. Sturgill. Begat. O.V. Sturgill. O.V. Sturgill. Begat. Dick Sturgill. Dick Sturgill. Begat. Daniel Sturgill. Daniel Sturgill. Begat. Cody Sturgill. Cody Sturgill. Begat. Ian Sturgill. I like begat. That makes me a son. And if God begat me, hallelujah, I'm a child of God. It's good to be a child of God. Begat. So, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, 
that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. First fruits of his creatures. Hmm. What's that mean? I'm glad you asked. First fruits of his creatures. Now, some people like to have this idea that all of God's creatures are equally precious. But that's not exactly true. I squished an ant yesterday. I murdered one of God's creatures. <laughs> Mice, if they come in our house, guess what happened? Off with your head. <laughs> so far today, I've had a little bite of a dead cow and a larger bite of a dead chicken. And I was happy with both of them. I think God's creatures taste wonderful. Creatures. You see, the lives of our pets and animals should be valued. But God gave them to us for a specific purpose and reason. They should never be worshipped. All through the Bible, the Bible tells us that we should not worship the creature, but we should worship the creator. And God in his perfect understanding knew that toeheads like us in the year 2022 would need to be reminded that we cannot worship creatures, animals. Pets, etc., etc., etc. As a matter of fact, God makes it very plain that He set a specific part of His creation over all the rest of creation, and that's mankind. Look, don't let anybody rob you of the responsibility that God has given you. We're to have dominion. We're to be good stewards. We are different than the animal kind. We are the first fruits of God's creation. Tonight's message is titled that, First Fruits of His Creation. It has a subtitle, though. The subtitle is this, Don't Act Like an Animal. Don't act like an animal. Don't act out of pure instinct because you're not like all of the rest of the creatures in God's glorious kingdom. You are the first fruits of His, crea- of his creatures. We're created in his image. And we're not supposed to act like animals. And there's one specific thing and set of principles that the Bible makes very clear here in verse 19. In light of the fact that every good gift comes from above, God is faithful. We can rest in him. We can trust him. We don't have to act out like animals. We are his first and his best and favorite of creation. The Bible says, in light of that, verse 19, Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, 
slow to wrath. This is a verse of scripture that we should never fail to remember. Because we are so tempted in our emotion to fall into the trap of the devil and get this passage of scripture out of order. Let's just look at it. Wherefore, in light of the fact that you are not an animal, that you are above animals, you are the first fruits of God's creatures, wherefore, in light of that, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear. Can I talk to you for a minute about being swift to hear? It is so important that we learn to listen. We need to learn to listen to the Word of God. We need to learn to listen to the Spirit of God. We need to learn to listen to authorities in our lives. We need to learn to listen to people who are not our authorities, but quite the opposite. How many of you have ever learned something from a little child? You need to learn to listen. The Bible says that in our lives, let every man be swift to hear. Swift to hear. Now, no doubt this passage of Scripture is, is pointing to a contentious moment, an instance where the temptation is to let our spirit rise and to be upset about something. But the Bible says you need to be swift to hear. Swift to hear. We need to be listeners. We need to be willing to hear what is being said. We need to be willing to apply what is being said to our lives. Now, folks, it is easy to fall into the trap of keeping our mouth shut for a minute while someone talks but never listening at all. Oh, I pray there will always be listeners. You know, see, listeners are learners. And if you stop learning, you say you know everything by your actions, and we all know that's not true. Every day of our lives, there's something new for us to learn. May God help us to be hearers, listeners, swift to hear. Have you ever been around somebody that you know that what you just said did not even register? Don't be that person. How many times have I met with people? And I know that, not that I know everything, but I know that what I've got to say will help them. But they've already made up their mind. They're not coming to get help. They're coming to tell me something. And when we talk, you know that you can talk and talk and talk and talk and talk. And they've not heard one thing. Swift here. Now, if you're not careful, you know what will happen? Someone you don't necessarily want to listen to, but we should be always swift to hear, right? While they're talking. And often with something that you need to hear, You'll turn them off and your mind is going through, what am I going to say? Stop that mess. That's not wise. You should be swift to hear. Swift to hear. Oh, I'm so thankful for our church. When folks come here and preach, I get this as a testimony often. Wow. The preacher finishes and he says, wow, your people really listen. Thank the Lord. I love when the preaching starts, folks get their Bibles out and you hear the pages turning. That's sweet. It's good. I went to preach somewhere a few years back and I don't normally get hot around the collar about much of nothing. 
but we had gone, Ruth and I and the boys, we'd gone to preach this place. I'd been invited to go, and it was a near impossibility. I was almost in trouble for having squeezed one more thing into our routine, but my wife is very flexible, and I praise the Lord for it. And we'd squeeze this in, and we'd gone to preach and sing, and so we all got up, and we got up and sang, and uh, there was a couple ladies about four rows back, and they listened to every word we sang. That's every word we sang. They were right there engaged the whole time. Then it came time to preach. I got up to preach, got my Bible out, announced the text. And while everybody else was getting their Bibles out, these two ladies, they had this basket sitting in front of them, and they pulled out this big wad of yarn and knitting needles. <laughs> and I'm calling the text, and people are looking for it in their Bible. And these two ladies, they start going, those knitting needles are hitting. They'd come and heard all they wanted to hear. I guess they'd heard how bad I was because they're like, we're not listening to this mess. <laughs> and I'll just tell you, it made me a little mad. And I had to repent before I could finish preaching or even start. And I went from angry to a sense of pity. Because it's a sad thing to be a person in such a state of mind that you think somehow that a man who preaches and reads God's word can't possibly have something to say that you need. Don't get that way. You know what? It doesn't matter how bad the preacher is. If he's holding and reading and explaining the Bible, he is explaining and reading and preaching the word of God. Amen. And it's perfect and alive. And we all need it. Swift to hear. I want to encourage you to do something. When you're mad, don't talk. Listen. When you're upset, don't speak. Listen. When someone wants to help you, maybe. Don't speak, listen. The Bible says we should be swift to hear. The next phrase says, slow to speak. Slow to speak. I heard someone years ago say, I've got a really bad habit. They said, I'm really bad to put my tongue in gear before my brain. I'm really bad to run my mouth before I ever engage my brain. And we have that problem, right? How many of you have ever done that? And all God's people said, oh, me. But the Bible says that we should not be that way. We, we're not animals. You know, animals react. I said I love all of God's creatures. I love some of God's creatures more than others. I love dogs. I put up with cats. You know, cats, they are not uh, slow to speak. Now, they don't really say words, but have you ever seen a cat? One second, you're petting that cat. The next thing you know, it's uncomfortable a bit, and it's like, and it bites you. And you throw it across the shop. I would never do that. <laughs> we're, not, we're not to be like that. We're not to be so reactive. The Bible says that we are to be slow to speak. We're to use our words wisely, cautiously, graciously. I've got a few verses here from the Proverbs and other places that I thought were very, very helpful. Here's from the book of James, the New Testament Proverbs. If any man among you seem to be religious, 
and bridleth not his tongue, but deceiveth his own heart. This man's religion is vain. He says, you may look religious, you may act religious, you may seem religious, but if you don't control your tongue, your religion is vain. Watch your mouth. James 3, 1 and 2, verse number 2 specifically. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. The Bible says you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. Proverbs ten nineteen. In the multitude of words, there wanteth not sin. There's no want for sin. There's lots of sin in the multitude of words. But he that refraineth his lips is wise. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, 3, He that keepeth his mouth keepeth his life. He that openeth wide his lips shall have destruction. Proverbs 15, 2, The tongue of the wise useth knowledge aright, but the mouth of fools poureth out foolishness. Proverbs 17, 27, He that hath knowledge spareth his words, and a man of understanding is of an excellent spirit. Proverbs 18, 13, he that answereth the matter before he heareth it, it is folly and shame unto him. Verse 21, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and they that love it shall eat the fruit thereof. Oh, may the Lord help us. How would act? Swift to hear, slow to speak. Slow to speak. Let me encourage you to do something. Learn to use silence to your advantage. If you really, I've been preaching for a long time, and if I really want to get everybody's attention, you know what I do? I scream at the top of my lungs. Absolutely not. If I really want to get everybody's attention, I do this. The next thing you know, the people that are knitting are looking up, wondering, what in the world did I just miss? <laughs> they put their phones down. They're like, uh-oh, what's going on? Hey, look, silence is powerful. I want to encourage you to do something. You get in a situation, and the thing you want to do is immediately speak. Whoa. Before you speak, let awkward silence have its power. And just wait a minute. People pushing you to say something. Hold on. Silence is good. As a matter of fact, it's a whole lot better not to say something that you wish you wouldn't than it is to say something and have to try to take it back. You see, the Bible says, be slow to speak. Silence is good. Don't feel obligated to answer immediately anything and everything that comes along. That doesn't prove that you're wise or smart. As a matter of fact, it proves the opposite. Slow to speak. Look at the third one. Swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Slow to wrath. Well, this matter of anger and temper is something we've got to be careful with. Slow to wrath. You know, a lot of times our first reaction to circumstances is anger. How can I tell? The Bible says out of the bunch of the heart, the mouth speaks. And if you react to a situation that's uncomfortable or something you don't understand the first thing you do is get mad you'll hear it come out of your mouth you'll have a tone that's angry you'll have a tone that's fearful wrath 
The Bible says we're to be slow to wrath. Look, you know what it is good? It's good to assume the best first and then let your best assumption be proved wrong. It's best as, hey, whoa, I'm just going to wait and see if perhaps this is not as bad as I think it is. I mean, if you ever have this situation where as soon as you hear one little tiny thing, you assume that it is awful and you blow up inside and often you blow up outside too. That's not wise. Wisdom is slow to wrath. Wisdom slow to react. Wisdom does not overreact. Wisdom has this ability to say, whoa, hold on just a second. Even if what I just heard is as bad as I could possibly imagine and will ultimately make me very angry, I know that God is faithful and true and can be trusted. I know that I am his child. I know that I can rest in him. I know that God has told me to be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Whoa, before I go nuts over this Facebook post or that text message or this perceived situation or issue. How many of you, just be honest and you can help everybody around you. How many of you have seen one little tiny bit of information and automatically assumed the very worst and you got mad and overreacted. How many of you have ever done that? Would you raise your hand? Me too. Hallelujah. The altars will be full to conclude this message. Just messing. It's true. You got mad, but when you, after everything, the dust settled, you weren't right. There was no need in it. There are occasions where wrath is necessary. But let me tell you something. They are very rare. They are very rare. I remember I called Uncle Cecil when I'd just been pastoring for a couple years. And I had a little mess going on. And some things that just aggravated me to no end. And I was, uh, I told Uncle Cecil, I said, I said, that, there's a couple folks in the church. It's, it's just, it was a mess. It's terrible. And I was uncomfortable, and they were wrong. And uh, I was trying to deal with it. Didn't know how. He just, oh, I was just so aggravated. I remember I called Uncle Cecil. I said, hey, here's what's going on. I said, I'm so aggravated, I can't stand it. He, I said, and I said, I'll tell you what, Uncle Cecil, I don't have to put up with this stuff. I think I'm, I'm planning on telling these folks that if they didn't want somebody else to do this job, they can have it. I don't need it. I don't want to do this. I was, I was aggravated, and I'll never forget, if you've ever heard my Uncle Cecil, he talked really fast. Just kidding, he didn't. He said, he's on the phone, he said, Cody, I don't think I'd used my big gun until I needed it. <laughs> And he said it's so slow, I had time to get over the whole situation. <laughs> uh, do you know what principle he's teaching me? God's got this. You're his son. Be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. I'm so glad I was. I'm happy for the times I've done it right. I regret the times I've done it wrong. 
God's faithful. You see, slow to wrath. Oh, don't we do it the opposite way? We get mad about something. We run off at the mouth. And then, after we've had just a minute to listen and hear and think about what we just said and did, we think, oh, no. Sometimes we have enough humility and sense to go back and apologize for the mess that we've made. But so often, we just let it lay and leave the people bleeding behind us that we've acted so foolishly with. And James is just saying, look, you're children of the Most High God. God's people don't act like that. Don't act like an animal. He says, you're the first fruits of his creatures. You should do things differently. He brings this little section to a conclusion and says it really plain. Verse 20, you see it? For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. <laughs> it's pretty simple, isn't it? The wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Folks, it's as clear as crystal that your anger and your temper does not do God's work. It just don't. Your anger and your temper does not do God's work. You get this swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath out of order. Swift to wrath, swift to speak, slow to hear. You get out of order. Just remember, the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. You do it that way, you're not doing God's work. You're doing man's work, the work of the flesh. And guess what? You reap what you sow. Look, we're not animals. As a matter of fact, it's a lot better than that. You and I are the first fruits of God's creatures. Let's act like our Heavenly Father has got a few things under control. And let's rest in Him and react and respond to the circumstances of life in a way that works God's righteousness and does accomplishes God's will. Hey, I'll tell you what. Your wife and your kids will be thankful. Your husband and your family will be glad. And you'll find out that God's way works better than yours anyway. Let's trust him.